What's going on, thinkers, and welcome back to Thoughts by the VLDI. I know it's been a minute since I brought you an interview, so I had to put something together. Um, you know, uh, had Cav kind of been focusing on the second podcast that I'm a part of, the I'm Telling You podcast. It's a little bit different. Matter of fact, it's a lot different than the Thoughts by the VLDI podcast. You know, over here, we bring you a lot of authors, athletes, different type of people, you know, that we can talk about, you know, trying to uh, uh, build something. Over on the I'm Telling You podcast, it's a little bit more fun. It's just not, not meaning that this show isn't fun, but we just get a little looser over there. I like to keep the two kind of separated. You know, we have a limited amount of fun. Over with. It's like Thoughts by the VDI is you can listen to with the family. I'm Telling You podcast, put the kids to bed. <laughs> so today we have with us um, an author and a budget coach, Margot Thomas. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm great. Uh, first and foremost, I want to thank you for taking the time out to speak with me today. You could be anywhere in the world today, but you chose to be with me, and I want you to know I appreciate you. Thank you very much. I appreciate you as well. So uh, we always always like to, before we get into the work that we're doing uh, or the projects that we have going on, I always like to kind of let the audience get to know the person that we're talking to. So Tell us a little bit about yourself, Mar uh, Margo. Where, you, where are you from? Okay, I'm originally from the Bahamas, um, okay. but I live in Tallahassee, Florida. I've been here since, gee, almost 20 years. I have, um, I'm married for 14 years in February, or in March. <laughs> Got to get that right, in March. <laughs> and I have a daughter and two grandkids. Well, actually three. We have a bonus one. Bonus, baby. A grandkid, yes. And um, they call me Gigi. I currently work with a program called Take Stock in Children that works with mentoring, college readiness, preparing kids for college. And then we also provide them a two-year scholarship to Tallahassee Community College, oh. which is where our program is housed. Awesome. Awesome. So how did you, how did you make that um, transition ending up in uh, Tallahassee? Well, uh, I started out in Valdosta, Georgia. Um, really? Yeah, I came um, to the U.S. to go to college. I grew up in Valdosta, Georgia. Oh, wow. Yeah. Small world, right? Yep. <laughs> I, I came to Valdosta in 1998 to do, uh, finish off my bachelor's degree. Actually, sight unseen. I had been thinking about another school that was further north in mm -hmm. Georgia. And talked to someone and, you know, they said there was nothing in the town other than the college. And so I thought, okay, that may not be good. So mm -hmm. we found Valdosta and I lived there for two and a half years. And then when I graduated, I moved to Hollywood, Florida and worked between Broward and Dade County. And then I had an opportunity to move with that same company Tallahassee to manage a grant program or a contract program with the state. So that's where I've been for a while and then transitioned into 
doing some economic development with my own consulting business and then started working with kids and realized that I actually like college readiness. And so that's where I've been for the last six years. Okay. That's cool. That that kind of uh, uh, took me by surprise when you said Jules from Valdosta. A lot of people haven't <laughs> yeah, even heard of Valdosta. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, when I moved up to the Atlanta area, more people knew that, about it than I thought they did because mm-hmm. of the, the college, the university now. It's Valdosta right. State University yes. and the uh, Valdosta Wildcats, the football team. Mm-hmm. People, people, what's the other one? There's the uh, Lowndes is yeah, it's Wildcat and Lounge something. The Lounge or Vikings? Yes, because I know they're always battling each other. Yeah, I, I was a Wildcat, Wildcat, you know. <laughs> gotcha. But uh, uh, yeah, they uh, it surprised me how many people know. They don't. They may not know where it is, but they've heard Valdosta before, either from one of the two. Because a lot of people from the Atlanta area go to college down there. I know. Yeah. And then, you know, with, if you're in the football, especially high school football, you've heard the name, even in, in, in college a little bit, because they're, they're, um, they're college team. The Blazers have been making a little bit of noise down there, too. So Yeah, yeah, I think that they've been title time once or twice. And yeah. I, I don't under, I don't know much about uh, football, but I know that. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you need to know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so working with kids and everything, uh, um. You, you basically kind of saying that that you found out that that was kind of your, like your passion, something that you enjoyed to do. So, at what point did you transition to the author side of of working with kids to help them through writing? Okay, so most of my students are high school students, um, and then of course because we pay for a scholarship, they transition into college, mm-hmm. and then we work with them as well. I hadn't really thought about writing anything related to this until I got a book that um, was related to preparing first-generation students for college. And I thought, oh, wow, I could have written this because I, I, at that point, I was a part of an author's group. I hadn't figured out what I wanted to write, but I knew that I wanted to write something. Mm-hmm. So I was around it. Um, hung out around a number of authors on a regular basis. And when I got that book, I thought, hmm. But then, you know, I still hadn't really pulled the trigger for a while until maybe about a year later. And um, one of my my good friends is a publisher. And she said, well, why don't you just write this book? And so I also thought about, so my first book was Help, what I tell parents about preparing their kids for college. Mm-hmm. And I ended up writing that because at the end of every school year, I had a lot of my parents asking questions over and over about what needed to be done. But we had been working with their seniors the whole year, giving them all of the tips and tools and you know what the processes are and telling them what needed to be done. But then we get to the end and the parents didn't have a clue. And honestly, I kind of got tired of answering the same question over and over. Mm. So I thought, well, I know my students are, my parents are asking that question. More than likely, there are other parents out there that, that's asking the same question. So why don't I just write it? And I am, when I talk with students, I am simple. I am, you know, I, I write in a way that someone in academia may look at it and think, 
oh, you know, that's a little, you know, generic or that doesn't give a whole lot of information or um, it's not really the way someone with a master's degree, you know, a PhD would really want something to be written. But I knew that many of my parents either don't have a high school degree, um, diploma, high school diploma. Some of them have, they may have gone to college for a little while and never finished. And so I had a, a kind of a range of parents, but I wanted to write that so that the parents that I work with on a regular basis could read it and say, oh, okay, I got that without having to come back and ask questions again. That makes a whole lot of sense because just thinking back to myself coming out of high school, I was highly unprepared for the next step. I did. I had no idea what the next step was. I was one of those kids who was on the, I was kind of on the fence of whether or not I even wanted to go to college because mm -hmm. number one, I didn't know a lot of people that went to college. Right. So it was like, mm, I could kind of just go out, get a job or whatever and go that route. And I was into music. So I was okay. like, yeah, that's not really going to help me do the music. If I knew what I knew now, I was just thinking about that networking and being mm -hmm. on that campus. It was, I could, it could have been a whole nother situation with the, how useful that was. I did end up going, but um, like you said, I was just totally unprepared. My mother didn't really know much about what to do. And, right. you know, as far as like what different type of, uh, of the testing that you may or may not have to take if you took the mm -hmm. SAT, if you didn't take the SAT, um, financial aid, a big thing, financial right. aid, filling out those forms and what we should be looking for and what we shouldn't be looking for. We was right. completely dependent on the school to right. push us in the right directions. And like nowadays, in my, just in my opinion, some of these schools are, when you get past like the major universities, some of these schools are put together just strictly for the profit. Mm -hmm. So they're just, they're going to funnel you through and Hey, yeah, you need to apply for this loan. Apply for this loan, apply for this loan, this, this, and that. Not explaining to you things like the debt that you're incurring. Right. Certain loans that you may not even need. Cause you know, right. I know people who would get these uh the refund checks and they they're happy about these big refund checks and like not, not thinking about the how that's adding up. So once you're finished, mm -hmm. it's like boom. But yeah. that's so I, I definitely think it's a it's a it's a good idea. Yes, um, funny that you said that. Uh, I had a group of students this afternoon watching the, it's a docu-series, a documentary that um, Angela Rye did on BET called Young, Gifted and Broke. Mm -hmm. And I mean, essentially that's what they were talking about where students got student loans and didn't even understand what that process was about. Um, yet one young man talked about how he got his mom to co-sign the loans. And, you know, I mean, he said it jokingly, but he said, you know, I'm kind of afraid to die because if I die, then that debt is not my mom's responsibility. Mm -hmm. And and I do understand where you're coming from because I was the first one in my family to come to college. And initially I had a scholarship for two years to go to the College of the Bahamas back then. And life happened in you know last semester, you know, I ended up getting pregnant. And, you know, so I understand a lot of what the students that I work with have to deal with 
for in many cases, some not knowing. And then even with me with my bachelor's degree, when my daughter was graduating, I had been out of college for 10 years. Mm -hmm. So once we got to that point, there were so many things that I really didn't know through the process, even with a degree. So once I started working at the college, it was, and working with students on a regular basis, you realize, for me, I realized how ignorant I was because there were so many programs, so many scholarships out there that my daughter could have used. And we really didn't know. She did apply for Bright Futures and she had Bright Futures, which is in, in Georgia, is like the hope. Mm-hmm. Um, she had that and that paid for most of her school, but she still ended up coming out with student loan. Yeah, most most of us do. <laughs> yeah. Um, like my um my daughter's mom, my ex-wife, she's just finishing uh pharmacy school. Mm-hmm. And man, we were talking about that and it was like, wow, because she's telling me, you know, the scale of pay that she that she's already been offered a job, mm-hmm. you know. Uh that's great, you know, fresh out and already been getting offers and everything. But she was like, you know, that that debt that I have though. Right, kind of you know leveling out the playing field of okay, I'm make I'm gonna be making this, but I still oh I still have to take care of this. Right, but I, I still have you know that a thousand dollars, fifteen hundred dollars a month that I need to pay yeah. student loan debt. Yeah, so you you're going to you're going to school to better <laughs> yourself and better your life, and at right. the same time you're kind of in some cases putting an extra burden on top of you with that. What? Why do you think that? Cause I know I, I graduated high school in 99. So it's been a while. Mm-hmm. I can't really say I, I can only speak on from my experience, but they didn't really do a whole lot to teach us or prepare us for life after high school. Mm-hmm. Even like, you know, as, as far as student athletes with the getting film out and things like that to to go to school and knowing the the GPAs that you need if you wanted to play right. for this school and that school. Why do you think schools don't, high, most high schools don't put that much emphasis on teaching you the after part? It seems like because a lot of seniors, you know, senior, senior year, you might be taking half a day classes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Go to school, probably got a class and an elective and then you're going home for the rest of the day. It's like, so much of that day left that could have been used that time to kind of prepare. Why, why do you think schools don't take that step to prepare you for that next level? Well, I'll give you two, two, two sides to that. So one of them is you have guidance counselors that, I mean, they're stressed, right? Mm-hmm. So you may have one guidance counselor with 200 students or 200 plus students, depending on the size of your school. And, they are doing, they're teaching, they're doing the regular guidance counselor work. Um, they still have to go into classes. They're doing testing. You know, so they, a lot of times they are stressed mm-hmm. in what they can do. And then on the other hand, I know a number of guidance counselors who, say, for example, would provide like a financial aid workshop and students and parents don't show up. Mm-hmm. Or they provide, you know, these college readiness workshops or, you know, how to, to complete an application, or even in, in, in our case where I'm here, we would have staff from TCC, our recruiters from TCC that would go into the schools 
to maybe have a meeting in the afternoon, in the evening where with parents where you talk about, you know, just the process of getting into college and different things like that. And a lot of times parents don't show up. So you kind of, you sometimes you get kind of disheartened about it. I know with my program, uh, I have about 50 some students that we work with. And sometimes we have events and you end up with 30 students showing up. Yeah. So it's, and then at the end, like, let's say you have a senior, a senior that hadn't shown up for most of the year, and now they get to the end and, you know, they're making decisions about college, but they haven't learned the processes and things that we've talked about. And then funny thing is, is that once we get to the end and maybe you do a survey and you say, well, how did we help you prepare you for college? And sometimes they would say, well, you didn't help us. And then you go back and look and you say, well, no, I couldn't help because you hadn't shown up. Mm. And and so that's the thing. It's like maybe maybe your school offered it, but you didn't know. You may or, be right. You know, or maybe they offered it. And, you know, for some students, if, if what I'm realizing, if a student has maybe football and maybe going to this workshop, they're going to go to football practice and not even worry about that workshop. Yeah. And so we're seeing that often in my program as well, like mentoring, like we'll have these sessions and you'll have students that say, well, oh, no, well, I have, you know, football practice, cheerleading practice, basketball practice, whatever. And those practices are every day, maybe an hour, two hours every afternoon. And we're asking for 30 minutes of your time once a week. And and they think we're asking for too much. But what we're providing you is along with a scholarship. We're also providing you with information and resources that you are going to need when you get to college. Mm -hmm. So I would say it's kind of you have it on both sides where it's offered and students don't students and parents may not take it. Or the other side is where staff is strapped because they're constantly having to. I mean, even when you look at teachers, so people say, well, why don't the school teach financial literacy? When? You know, if the teachers are having to do so much to um, get students to pass the tests that they have to do, they sometimes don't have the time in between to even try to teach anything outside of what's in their curriculum. So it's it's difficult. I, I don't envy being a teacher at this point. <laughs> yeah, and you, you made a, a very good point when you said that a lot of times things are offered and nobody shows up. Mm -hmm. Because just to be honest, as a, as a, as a teenager, Likelihood that I probably would have showed up pretty slim, pretty slim. You were right. right. Unless my mom said you're going. Eh, probably. Right. And then a, a, a lot of times with those extracurricular activities, foot, the football, the basketball, cheerleading, these different clubs, a lot of times you're getting that pressure to you have to be here. This is yeah. this is your private. Oh, you want to go to a workshop? OK. Do you want to play Friday? You right. Go to the workshop, or you can play Friday. You you know yeah. those are your choices. You go do your little workshop, and we'll be out here putting in work, and then we'll figure out what we're gonna do with you. Yeah, yeah. And, um, Thankfully, the coaches that we've had to work with in my program have been helpful. Mm -hmm. You know, we'll say, okay, you know, can, can the student at least? So I mean, of course, now we're doing everything through Zoom. So you say, okay, well, can the student at least meet with us? on the Zoom call, like they're still in the gym, but they can go over on the side by themselves for 30 minutes mm -hmm. because this is for their scholarship. And 
thankfully we haven't had any, we've had more issues with the student than, than the coach. The coaches say yes, and then the students find all kinds of excuses why they sounds, don't show up. Sounds about right. And uh, with guidance counselors, I remember for a while I went to live with my father up in Herndon, Virginia. Mm-hmm. And I was up there, I was playing football. My guidance counselor, all with, all he wanted to talk about was football. He called me. <laughs> this, you, you made a memory. You lit a match of a memory. He called me out of class. And you know, as a kid, when you get a pass saying, please, <laughs> class, you're automatically thinking, okay, what did I get caught? Not what did I do? What did they catch me doing? I was kind of okay. one of those kind of teenagers. <laughs> what did they catch me doing? And I go down to the guidance counselor office and he wants to talk about football, this and football, that. And I was like, at the time, I'm like, I got it made. I'm going to sit here this whole right. period and talk about football with the guidance counselor. You know, he might go get me a Coke or whatever, bag of chips, and we, we just kicking it. And then, but now when you look back on things, you're just like, man, that was that was time. That was so much time wasted. I should have mm-hmm. been in class or we could have been actually building something, doing something constructive. Right. But that was the, that was the guy I ended up with. So, I mean, and <laughs> Yeah, with financial literacy and things like that, I I often wonder. Like you said, I, I get that how teachers teachers is a hard job. You got to deal with class full of kids, mm-hmm. hormones all over the place. We I think we already know everything that we need to know, and this lady's yes. up here boring me to death. Why won't she just be quiet? Yes. And then, but it it does seem like that. It's I I feel like. Maybe it should be part of the curriculum at this point. Like, why are we not? I get that yeah. we may not be able to find extra time to teach it, but why they why not just make it part of what we teach it? And even the same with the um, what like the the uh the 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 college preparatory type of stuff to get you ready. Mm-hmm. No, we're not coming. So make so you know <laughs> find a way. Make us come. Make it a class. Make us have to go. Now they do have economics teaches financial literacy. Um, yeah. so, so that's one, but it's an elective. It's not it's not a required class for every student. And then a lot of schools, well, I don't I don't know where they are outside of, of Florida, but I know in, in Tallahassee we have a school that does AVID for the high school. And then a number of what the programs call AVID in middle school as well, and that is geared towards preparing kids for college. So they're doing a lot of college things, but it's, I think the students that are picked are based on maybe GPA and mm-hmm. um, whether or not they want to be a part of it. I don't know exactly how they pick them, but that is kind of the track for getting students ready for college. And they, I mean, it's a class that they go to every day okay. um, like they would with any of your other classes. So I know that that I've, I've actually spoken at a couple of the middle school mm-hmm. where you know doing different things related to college readiness. And then I have um, in March, I have three parent workshops scheduled to speak with um, some of the parents about kind of the process of getting their kids into college. I think that they need to be thinking about, and then how, how do they light the fire yeah. awesome. <laughs> under the butts awesome. of a student that procrastinates? Cause that that stuff that I'm starting to think about now, I have a 13 year old, and it's like I'm already thinking like it's right down the road, like mm-hmm. you know, 
I'm telling her, you, you need to start thinking about it. You need to start getting yourself ready. You need to start now. Focus on, yep. you know, what you're trying to do and which path you want to take now. She's an artist. She wants to go to an art school. And I encourage okay. that. That's what you want to do. Because at some point, I'm going to have to come out of my pocket for some of this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'd rather come out of my pocket for something that you actually want to do. Then, right. you know, hey, no, you need, you need to go study this. Right, right, right. Definitely could be what she wants to do because it's she has to live with that degree. I would say have her research the schools that she wants to go to and research the programs so that she isn't she doesn't spend a whole bunch of money. Because I, I today one of the takeaways I was asking students what are their takeaways from the video they watched, and you had you know you had someone who may have a hundred and something some thousand dollars in student loan debt, but maybe they're going to be a teacher and making $35,000 a year. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's uh, funny that you talk about artists because I had a student a couple of years ago who wanted to go to Savannah College of Arts and, and Design, SCAD. And, you know, we talked about it. We talked about financially, would she be able to afford it? And I mean, she had gone to some of their summer programs and she was determined that she was going there and nothing was going to stop her. And we got to the week before college was supposed to start and reality hit and she realized she couldn't afford it. Mm. So, you know, so she ended up coming to the community college and she graduated last spring and moved to another, somewhere else in Florida and she's taking um, some arts type classes at another school there for, for her um, bachelor's degree. But I'd say hone it in. I have another student who is interested in art and one of uh, my college success coaches worked, knew someone who worked at it, who owns a tattoo shop mm-hmm. and matched them up together that he would do an apprenticeship with the shop. And he, I mean, that's something that he's really enjoying. So figure out, you know, what, Type of art she likes to do and introduces to some people that's doing it. Yeah. Yes. That, I think that'll definitely be good. And then have them talk about their journey, you know, what type of classes they took, what they would have done differently if they had an opportunity in terms of school that they're going to, you know, would you have paid so much for a particular type of school or, or to go to that school as opposed to something else? Yeah, because she's she she likes to draw. But she's really into like the digital style, the digital mm-hmm. side of it, kind of towards animation and things like that. And okay. I'm like, that's awesome. You can definitely yeah. because uh, um, it's is realistic. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not gonna lie. I'm gonna be honest. If she wanted to make paintings and, and hang paintings on the wall and try to sell <laughs> them, I kind of would be like, but this, this you can do whatever you want to do. It's your life. Right. But the fact that she's already looking at something like that's like a legit job you could get, you know, yes. you got film studios, you've got video games, commercials, there's a whole world of things you could do as an animator. And I was yes. like, she really has been kind of thinking about this already. Yeah, I mean, but let, let her let her hang around people that have that are doing that. It, I think it'll help a lot. Like we had a student that was interested in being. Um, um, firemen Mm -hmm. and we connected her with um a fireman a fire chief 
at one of the local fire stations and, you know, I tried to connect there so that she would at least maybe be able to shadow. And that's a possibility, like shadow someone and then see if that's what she really wanted to do. That's, that's, this is great advice. I'm, I'm, I'm taking my mental notes. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about uh, some of these books that you put out um, to help us understand okay. these type of things and how we have to move the first the one you spoke of earlier um the help help so it's that it's called help what i tell parents about preparing their kids for college and i always say it's simple easy to read uh let's try it open. easy to read uh some of the topics that i talk about it, credit retrieval, uh, community service, taking placement tests, paying for college, preparing for student success in college. I talk a lot about procrastination because we know that high school students procrastinate a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I talk about community college versus university, private colleges versus public, uh, for-profit colleges versus universities. I talk about dual enrollment as a way of earning college credits while in high school like where you mentioned the high school, maybe a senior that is probably only taking two classes that semester. Mm -hmm. Rather than graduate early or rather than just, you know, kind of waste that time or go and getting a job for part of that time, why not do dual enrollment? I've had three, two of my students graduate with their AA degree the same time they graduated with their high school diploma. And I have one student this year who is going to be doing the same thing. And that's, and that's kind of common. I wouldn't push a student so much to finish it off in the, um, you know, before they graduate, but if they can get at least 30 credits, which is half of an associate's degree under their belt, it's free. If they're going, most public schools will pay for it. At least it's the public school here. Mm-hmm. Um, pay for the students to to take the classes and you know it's it's to me you know and, and someone may may disagree with this it's if your student is taking AP classes and not passing passing the test to me that's not worth it. It, it I would prefer for them to do dual enrollment and again I said that was something that I didn't know if I had known better my daughter wouldn't have done um, IB. She was an international baccalaureate, baccalaureate program, mm-hmm. AP classes, and I don't think she passed. She got the scores for any of the tests to get college credit for it. So if I had known better, we would have just let her take more of the general classes, boost the GPA up to where she needed it to be um, in order to get bright futures, and then her senior year, even if it was one semester, if she took a full load of classes, she would have had 12 credits under her belt that we didn't have to pay for. So um, I, so that's one of the things uh, I talk about in, in there for parents. And then this is the other book called I Am College Bound, my college prep planner. And this is has a lot of different worksheets. We talk about high school tracking. So, you know, uh, while you were in, in the guidance counselor's office talking about football and, and maybe not paying attention to, you know, the classes and your credits, because we've, I've heard of a student 
good football player, got accepted into a university program, really good football team, and realized at the end that he didn't have enough credits mm -hmm. to graduate. And of course, you know, everyone kind of dropped the ball on him for me. It's the guidance counselor dropped the ball, the coach dropped the ball, he dropped the ball, and his parents dropped the ball because everyone was so focused on the football part of it that the school part of it, uh, he obviously he obviously failed at least one class. Mm -hmm. And everyone knew he failed that one class, but nobody helped him fix it. So um, that's this one would, would kind of help you figure out, you know, what credits you need in each subject. Um, have you gotten those credits? And then what else do you need to do? And which year that you're getting it in? Sophomore year, junior year, senior year. And then I have some college resources, you know, talking about scholarships, sites that you can go on to study. And then even I have a list of questions or discussions that students can have with their guidance counselor so that you're not waiting on the guidance counselor to come and talk to you. Because, you know, I'm, I'm learning more and more that, you know, the squeaky, squeaky wheel gets the most grease. So, if you are the person that needs it, then it may be your responsibility to go and say, hey, Mr. Guidance Counselor, I want to schedule an appointment with you because I want to talk about some things. And I think if, if a student is um, assertive enough, um, they would be in a better position when they're going to the Guidance Counselor. But then even having some questions and not just, okay, well, hey, I want to meet with you, but you don't know what you're going to talk to them about. So having those things, I have a number of different worksheets. I'm tracking community services, tracking um, scholarships, how to find scholarships. We talk about that. And then having them actually go out and look for scholarships, but then keeping track of them. Which ones, what are the deadlines? What's required? Is there an essay required? Did I write those essays? Um, did I apply on time? And then even thinking about, okay, so let, let's say I won one of them then how much money did I win? And I also encourage students to apply for the small ones because we're always looking at, you know, I want to get the $10,000 scholarship. Mm -hmm. Everyone's trying to get the $10,000 scholarship. So think of the lotto, right? Yeah. You know, we, we often only play when it's $40 million. <laughs> but everyone's playing when it's $40 million. So why not try to get it when it's $1 million? Your chances may be even better that way. So it's looking at the smaller ones. If they don't give you big money, well, $250, that's two of your books for one semester. So having that can help. Oh, that's, that puts gas in your car for while you're in college. Um, I have college application tracker. So if, if you're one of those students that, you know, want to apply for maybe five colleges, then you have all of the things that's, that you wait that you need to have. What's the deadline? Uh, what do you need for that? You know, and then were you accepted? Did you get an acceptance letter for that school? And I also talk about budgeting in it, um, which I think students need a little bit of research, talking about what's an income, what's an expense, um, credit cards, what's the minimum payment, you know, those kinds of things. And then I created a simple budget work because I think uh, students need to get some idea of what that looks like. And, and because of course, you know, at 18, 19, they're making the financial decisions.
special books are. Um, another book that I wrote, and I don't have a copy of it, of it here with me, is a workbook called um, Get Your Financial House in Order. And it's uh, simple, again, a budgeting worksheet, a financial worksheet, kind of giving some information that about how my husband and I paid off $50,000 in consumer debt, and then also how we saved uh, six months of emergency fund, just even within the pandemic. Now, all of it, we didn't pay off in a year. You know, we, we're not we're not those people <laughs> that pay off $50,000 in, in a year, but it took us about four or five years to pay it off. But it still got us in a position where we are much better financially than we, than we were five years ago. Yeah, my uh, my sister, my older sister, I always give her props because she would always nail into my head these different financial tips. Like you made me think of it with the um, the six months of emergency funds. She used to always be like, yeah, you need you need to put together enough so you can, you know, if if you lost your job today. You know, you you have a right. cushion where you could pay. You could still maintain things while you're moving on to right. the next. And at one point, it 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 didn't seem realistic to me. It's like, how am I gonna, whatever? And then it happened. Mm -hmm. She was she was right. I could do it, and and it it, it felt good, and just yeah. Breaking up, I can't hear you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's just those little, uh, those different little tidbits of information that come, man. They're very useful. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad that you're giving those out right there. And I hope that people are being receptive. Yeah, because I mean, think about with this pandemic. I mean, once the pandemic hit, how many? How many people lost jobs? A lot of college students lost jobs because, you know, restaurants mm. closed, the places that they would have been working closed. So you ended up with students who now, because you're, maybe you didn't plan or maybe you got your financial aid and you used it for lifestyle rather than living. And, you know, you didn't pay mm. up on your rent like you should have for, for the next three months. Rather you spent the money and figured, okay, well, every month I'll make my rent. Well, when those things close, then, okay, now you're not in a position to pay your rent. Well, sometimes you can call home to your parents, but many students can't because their parents probably weren't working at that time either. And they were struggling to pay their bills. So as a parent, I can't struggle to pay mine and pay for your house where you're living as well. So at least yes. if they, those students had maybe um, at least two months, that gives you some cushion to kind of float and you could figure out what to do for that last month. But you were able or someone or let's say someone was willing to help. I can help you with one month of your rent. I can't help you with three. You know, so yeah. having having that, I mean, that was a good thing for us because, you know, my husband and I thought about it. It was like, OK, you know, what do we do? And then. You know, within the pandemic, my husband got sick. And so we were thinking, okay, well, if if I have to stay home with you, you know, maybe I don't get paid for three months while I'm while I'm, you know, home with you. Thankfully we didn't have to worry about that. But um if we did, 
we would still be in a position where it wouldn't have mattered. Oh, you know, I mean, I won't say it wouldn't have mattered, but it wouldn't have hurt as badly. Good. So you said something that made my ear twitch a little bit, and I said, I like that. Can you, to the people that may not get it, explain what you mean when you said paying for lifestyle versus living? Okay, so lifestyle versus living. So let's say, let's say you're one of the students that maybe get Pell Grant. Um, most mm-hmm. of my students, all of my students are Pell Grant eligible. So let's say some students may get maybe $5,000 allotted for a semester plus work study. And and from what I've seen, most work study is like maybe $2,000 for a semester. Let's say you have $7,000. You're not getting it, but the work study, you get it, you know, by, by paycheck. But let's say you just have the five. That money after you pay for your tuition fees, then, you know, that's, you're supposed to pay for living. Your rent, that's to help with anything related to school. Food, gas, or or bus pass to get to and from school, those things. Mm -hmm. Lifestyle is, you know, my financial aid check drop in February, and I'm going on the spring break trip for a week to Panama City, to Miami, to, you know, wherever. And I spent that $1,000 that should have been paying for my rent for two months on lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I, I went and I enjoyed myself. And then I come back and I'm trying to figure out how, now how am I going to pay my bills? Yeah. So to, y- to y'all listeners out there, what she's saying is prioritize how you, where you're going to live over what you're going to wear. And where mm-hmm. you gonna hang out? And you know, you go pop those bottles, those two hundred dollar bottles in the club that you could have got for thirty four bucks if you went to the package store. You go to the club <laughs> and pop those two hundred dollar bottles all over there in uh, Panama City. Mm-hmm. And then you come home and you're eating ramen the whole right. next semester because you, right. And and not let the girls go. Uh, you know, let the girls go free. You know, we buy the the three hundred dollar weave. You know. They, they they buy the three hundred dollar Brazilian weave and whatever else, and it's the same thing. Like that's groceries for two months. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So when when do you think, in your opinion, should a teenager realistically start preparing themselves for college? Ninth grade, and they start grade. thinking about it. Um, and in the college bound planner, one of the things I have is split where I get them to look at certain things. So ninth grade is, is a good time to start career exploration. It's, you know, do some type of career assessment based on, I think it's called more of an interest assessment mm-hmm. where, you know, you may be asked 60 questions. Do you like to work outside? Do you like to work with people? You know, just those things. And they're simple responses. Yes, no, you know, so I, I like this better than this. And, you know, you just go through those processes. And then at the end, you get, an, you have a result that says, you know, maybe these are based on your personality or your interests. These are types of jobs that you could be interested in. Mm-hmm. And when I do those assessments with students, I just kind of let them go through the process. And then, you know, we go through the results and say, okay, Cross out the ones in this list that you would say, no, I definitely would not do those things. 
And then, you know, maybe the top five or six that you say, "Mm, possibility, Eh, I don't know, but maybe. Then go and look for those jobs and find out what type of education do you need? Can you get it with a certificate? Can you get it with an associate's degree? Can you get it with a bachelor's? Do you have to have a master's degree? So like, um, I know a lot of students like to take psychology for whatever reason. And they think that a bachelor's degree is going to get them a job as a psychologist. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, you have to at least have a master's degree. So if you are thinking about doing this, do you plan to do a master's degree? And let's say that was your thought process, but then later on you decided, you know what, I don't think I want to do a master's degree anymore. Can you get a job with that? And so I, I normally say, okay, the top five, you do the research. Education. Um, how much money you can make, what, what's the average pay, um, what's the like a five-year outlook? Is this job going to be something that's still a viable job in five years? Mm-hmm. And then looking at, okay, so what type of college major can I have with this particular um, this particular career? So like, let's say someone with a law degree. I find for whatever reason, Black students, when they're thinking about law, the two degrees that they constantly go for would be criminal justice or the other one, um, uh, political science. Those seem to be the two that Black students go for. Uh, A lot of white students do English. They do do more liberal arts degrees, things that they actually like. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, because once you go into law school, the, the classes that you took, in undergrad, don't really matter that much, right? So, I, so I, you try to get students to kind of look at all of those things, what kind of degrees. And then, you know, once you figure that out, you kind of work with that. Um, I always say, talk to someone in whatever major, whatever career you're thinking about. And for my program, we always bring in people with different types of careers just to talk about, you know, why did you choose that? What was your path? Um, and for many, so like my degree is, is in accounting. Yes, I do budgets. Yes, I do grants, but I do a lot of programming and working with students as well. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, certain degrees, like an accounting degree, I can work anywhere. I can work in any industry. Um, and I am sure that there's there's never going to be no jobs. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. double negative, but, you know, I will always be able to find some type of job in some type of industry with an accounting degree. And so having the student look at those things in ninth grade and knowing that, you know, after a while, maybe 10th grade, maybe some of that is going to change a little bit. It may not change a whole lot, but as they go through, then every year you're doing the assessment again to see if something changed. Or, you know, let's say, let's say using your daughter, for example. So she's looking at art. Maybe initially she was more interested in the drawing part of it. Now she's looking at more digital. So maybe later on she may come and say, well, you know what? I'm thinking graphic design may be something that I'm interested in, you know. And so it it changes somewhat, Mm -hmm. but it may not change drastically. And if they're doing that research from ninth grade, moving forward is going to, by the time they get to senior year, again, at 18, I don't absolutely expect for an 18-year-old to say, this is, 
and that's all I'm going to do. You know, most of the time that doesn't happen, but at least if you have an idea. Yeah. So that's one thing in ninth grade, looking at scholarships, even if you're not applying for them, looking to see what's out there, create your own database of scholarships that would be beneficial to you and look at deadlines. I mean, the deadline should be the same most, almost every year. And then pay attention to some of the local things that's happening, like local scholarships. What type of scholarships are people in my community, maybe people from my school, getting when they graduate? And um, so that even looking at where can I do community services? Some schools don't accept community service from, from a ninth grader, but they will accept it from a 10th grader. So, but at least if the student is looking at those things, paying attention to the courses that they take, that's definitely a part of the process. And, and then looking at, um, so it's scholarships. It's just thinking about what types of schools they want to go to as well. Because most of the time, you know, students want to go to the school that's in their neighborhoods. Um, others are, oh, I want to go way away from my parents. Yeah. You know, and so we all have those options. But that's a good place to start in ninth grade. And then each year you're building up on it. So 10th grade, you may start looking at SAT or ACT. Um, most schools do the PSAT, which is a practice. And then, you know, some schools do it in 10th grade, some districts do it in, in 11th grade. But looking at that process and then um, every year you're building up on the same things. So if you were looking at scholarships in ninth grade, you may be looking at 10th grade, maybe you can apply for some. Um, 10th grade, ninth grade, you looked at what volunteer opportunities were out there for me. In 10th grade, you can start doing in those volunteer opportunities and and, and get, get keeping track of those and so it's just it's just building up every year senior year you know it, it is one of those things where if you wait until senior year there's more work to do mm -hmm. we saw this a lot in the pandemic like i'm part a uh, part of, of different groups of uh, parents of college students and we saw so many students at the end when they couldn't take the acp exam they couldn't take the sap exam the exams kept being canceled because, you know, people were getting COVID and it was just all of these things back and forth. Whereas if a student started taking the SAT or ACT exam in the 11th grade, if they didn't have it as a senior, they already had it there. Um, big suggestion for me is 10th grade, start looking at, you know, because all of, all of the, our parents can't necessarily afford to pay for the, the SAT exams, mm. ACT exams, you know, they're $60, $75 for each one of them. But Christmas comes, birthday comes. Uh, I'm sure if you go to aunties, uncles, godparents and say, hey, you know, my birthday's coming up. I want to take the SAT exam. Can you give me $20 for it? Can you give me $20? Can you give me $20? So now you have $60 that you can use to pay for that exam. And, and even for students at work, you work, pay for the exam yourself. Yeah. You know, and, and then you have some skin in the game. Now, one thing that I did with my daughter, I think it was the summer before senior year, uh, we found a program that it was a university that came in on Sundays from three to maybe six. Mm -hmm. And they probably, I think it was like a four week or six week course where they got in there and they just did college prep. 
And it wasn't necessarily that they were actually taking tests. They were learning how to do things like speed read. They were learning a lot of vocabulary words, um, a lot of those things. And my daughter took, I think, I want to say it was the ACP exam graduation morning. And I think she got like two points above what she needed in order to get the scholarship to pay for college. And it wasn't cheap. It was probably maybe five, $600 for it. But we realized that if we sacrificed and paid that then, it would be beneficial for us. And here it was so that five, $600 investment that we made at the, at the front end when she graduated. She went to the Tallahassee Community College. Um, the Bright Futures paid the majority of it. So for her to finish the community college, I think total we paid $1,600 mm-hmm. because the scholarship paid the rest of it. So just think about maybe we were paying $400 a semester when the scholarship was paying like nine. $900, something like that. So it it was beneficial to make that sacrifice. And I understand that not every parent can make that sacrifice, but finding some way to help with the process. Don't let students wait until senior year to take it. And then don't let students take the test blind where, you know, you're going to take a test that's going to be significant towards you going to college and you've never studied for it. You just yeah. jump up and say, oh yeah, I'm going to take the test next week. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so uh, earlier you were saying the difference in the the courses that the the black students was taking versus the white students was taking. Why do you think there's the, the that difference is there? I'm not sure. I think potentially. Because our students don't know any better, maybe, mm-hmm. that they think that when, when I think when we think of law, for some reason, we think either you're going into politics or you're going into the criminal justice system. So I'm going to be a police officer. I'm going to be an FBI or maybe I'm thinking about criminal law. And yes, if you're doing criminal law, then then you definitely need that. But what if you're doing business law? Mm-hmm. Then, you know, it would be, and many of them don't, from from my perspective, the students that I know who think about law, I don't think many of them know that, you know, business law is very lucrative because <laughs> you're working with corporations. Yeah. But they, they're not thinking about that. So it's, it's exposing them to a little bit more. And that's why I say, you know, if you have a student that's looking at, let's say law, for example, having them meet with different types of lawyer, not just the lawyer that's in the court, you know, um, how about getting them to meet with a lawyer that, that deals with business stuff, um, whatever process, whatever type of law they're interested in, or even if they're not really interested in it because they don't know, mm-hmm. introduce them to it. And then let then at that point they can choose you know what yeah maybe not that's not the one i want to do maybe you know because i think we watch tv and we see you know um what is it law and order and and some of those other programs and we're looking at 
these people in the courtroom and it just seems so sexy, right? But you don't know all the work that goes on behind the scenes. And like, I'll give an example for me. When I was in college and I did auditing, I did an auditing class and I just knew I would never do auditing. I just never, never. Well, my first real job was auditing. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, you know, I got into an auditing firm and I, I've been doing auditing and compliance even now in the work that I'm doing with grants, I'm still doing compliance. So the thing that I said I would never do, it ended up being the, the work that I that I liked. I tried working, you know, in accounts payable and um, different things like that. And it was boring. Like yeah. I didn't enjoy it. So, but if you don't have the opportunity to be exposed to certain things, then everything that you know is what, you know, you're kind of here. You you don't go over here and you don't go over here because everything is kind of kind of going towards this one thing yeah i i've spent back on the the lawyer topic mm-hmm. i spent a lot of times in the courtroom mm-hmm. because with my work and i was like this is possibly the boringest thing <laughs> i've ever seen because like you said you watch lawyer order and there's a new there's a new show that i like um is it bull hmm? is it bull no, uh, I can't remember the name of it. For life, where the guy, uh, the story about the guy who was had like a life sentence, and then he learned law and able was able to win his case, and then came out mm. and actually was practicing law. And if I'm not okay. mistaken, it's based on a true story. Okay, I forget the guy's name though. But you know, you watch Law and Order, you you watch stuff like that, and you have all, they have all these cool moments where it's like. And that's why this your honor he slaps the file down and everybody in the court is like I have yet yep. to see that happen <laughs> in the courtroom. It, it's a whole lot of technical stuff and then can I approach the bench? And I'm assuming all that cool stuff is happening up there when they're whispering right, right. to each other. And then they come back and it's like, okay, boom, this is what we're gonna yeah, do. Let's, 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 let's fix my fix my suit and tie back. Yeah. And yeah. But you're right. We have that. We have that idea from the outside looking in. Things like, especially things like lawyers or even like law yes. enforcement and stuff. You 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 will see the sexy side and you think that's what it's all going to be. But then it's like, nah, this this is pretty. This is pretty boring. Yeah, and then you think about the amount of hours that they work. I mean, in the you know before the case, you're yeah. working. You know, truly burning the midnight oil to get if it's a good lawyer. Yeah. You know, you are really out there trying to get things done. I mean, like, I find that a lot of times I'm, I'm getting students that say they want to be they want to be nurse, right? And so we'll have the conversation about, okay, well, why do you want to be a nurse? Well, I like helping people, and we're having this discussion about, okay, so you like helping people? Do you have to help people as a nurse, or do you have to help people as a police officer? Can you help people in other ways? And, you know, you get that puzzle and I say, well, okay, well, my degree is accounting. Am I helping you? Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, okay. So it doesn't matter what type of degree you have. You can still help someone. When I think of health degrees that you can get an associate's degree and come out making 40 plus thousand dollars a year, 
many students don't know about them and many of many students because that's not because they don't they know of nursing and that's mm-hmm. it and they don't they don't venture over or onto the other side and for many of them depending on what type of nursing you do you so let's say you go and do four years to get a, a nursing degree a bachelor's in nursing you go your a friend of yours does the opposite and gets maybe a radiology technology degree. They've been out of school for two years. You're still in for another two. When you come out, initially you're making about the same thing, you know. And but it's exposure. Yeah. If, if you don't know about it, um, I know at the college I work with. I never even thought about this, but when when you go into the operating room for a surgery. Once they're done with you, someone comes in and they have to clean all that equipment out. Yeah. That person has an associate's degree and they make forty to $50,000 a year. Mm. So because students aren't exposed to those things, they don't know. They're just looking at certain types of degrees and that's all they're interested in. Yeah. And, you know, and so it's, and then I realized too is that Traditional college is not for everyone. So even with my students, I say, well, you know, we're talking and they're kind of wavering on what they want to do. I ask the question, well, if you could go to school for a year and and get something else, would you be interested in that? And then we kind of talk through it because I would prefer for a student to do maybe a, a six month welding program and come out and be a welder, than go to school for two years, get at a an associate's in arts degree, which is essentially nothing but a degree that transfers you into a bachelor's degree program. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, if someone can do an associate of science and that is you finish your two years and then you can go to work. But with an associate's in arts degree, if you don't transfer to a university, I mean, that degree doesn't hold as much weight. And so if you could go and do welding, because that's something that you're really interested in, then why not do that and, and, and not take the traditional college route? So even though I work for a college, well, obviously my, my community college also has certificate programs um, because they realize that the school, a lot of community college cater to um, the students that aren't going to universities. And so they want to have options for those that, that want to do some type of post-secondary degree or or some type of post-secondary education, but not necessarily a full-on degree. So, I mean, there are options out there. Uh, Students just have to learn what's there and try to use it as exposure. Yeah, because I used to do um, with this group, I don't know if you ever heard of them, it's called Junior Achievers. Mm -hmm. um, I I taught with them for a while. Did you? Yeah, my my job used to send me out, send us, well, you could volunteer to go out and be part of the little program and go to the mm-hmm. school. And they gave you the, the little packet you go yep. through and play the games with. You walked in with your little your little bag. Yeah. And my, my favorite one to do was the the one where you have them put together, you know, their budget. How much mm-hmm. you're going to spend on food? How much you're going to spend on clothes? How much you're going to spend on, you know, X, Y, Z. Right. And then... You hand out the cards that had the different occupations on them. Right. But they can't see, you know, they can only see the occupation. 
And so, you know, you have certain students like, oh, I got a sanit what is it called? Sanitary sanitation engineer. Engineer. And that that, you know, isn't that a garbage man? Is just it's like, just wait a minute. And they go through look at all these jobs and some sound cooler than others. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have them flip that card over. And it shows, yeah, it shows how much they make. And then it was like, you mean tell me this guy makes this? And, mm-hmm. and, and, and negatively on the after the side, like, you mean this guy made like bro, I would have thought I would have would have would have just from the title and from what I think I know about it, mm-hmm. I would have shot to be this guy. Mm-hmm. This guy makes more than this guy, but his job yep. sounds a whole lot cooler. You know, mm-hmm. when you're sitting around the table at Thanksgiving, they hey, what do you do? Hey, what do you do? Yeah. Oh, I am, you know, I, I, I'm a sanitation engineer. Just don't sound as good as, oh, I'm a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> I, that that was my favorite one to do. Um, every time that I got a chance to go with and, and work with them, uh, that was the only one I looked for. I was like, where is it? Oh, I, well, I see. And I never did that one. I did the entrepreneurship one. And I did one that was community. I did. That one with like elementary students, I believe, fourth mm-hmm. grade maybe, and then entrepreneurship one I did at high school. Yeah, but like you said, that that exposure is major because just that right there opened up their minds to, well, shoot, maybe <laughs> I should I should think about doing this versus, and they were I think it was like seven for eighth graders that we worked with, mm-hmm. like never will have thought, and then it also taught them uh at the same time things like okay you're gonna you make so now you make this much this is your budget well what about getting gas for that car they said you want you want for transportation you put you want to have a car okay well mm-hmm. you're gonna pay this much more for your car but what about the gas for the car mm-hmm. hey what about the uh the insurance for the car you know the regular maintenance every three months yeah. And I had one kid was like, well, I'll just take the bus because I'm not <laughs> like, I'm not spending that. I forget what the, what the job he got. But he was like, look, I'm not spending that on that. I'll just take the bus. And I was like, because I kind of went, I kind of took what they gave me and kind of did my own thing with it. Right. And I was like, see, those are that's those are the type of decisions that you really going to make in life. Right. Like, I only have this much money. Right. So how am I going to operate with this much money? This is my budget. Right. This is what I got. So for a while, maybe taking the bus is a better idea than mm-hmm. running out and buying a car this year. Right. Because, you know, yeah. I can put some money together on the bus. I'm going to be, I get a car that I can't put gas in. Right. You know, or, right. Or, or so on and so forth. And it's like, man. Yeah, the, re- the reality is, 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 dif- is hard. Um, I know one of the things that I've done with my students is called the bean game. Mm-hmm. And it's similar where, where we give them beans. That's your money. And then you have like a card or something that says, you know, um, you have uh, you have a high school diploma. And so you're going to get, you know, you make $18,000 a year or you may, whatever, I think they give it to you per month. And then you go different. So you don't have a high school diploma. This is the amount you have in each level of education. You get more money. And then you have the budget worksheets. And it's typically two you know, two different worksheets. And the first slide has, you know, housing, uh, food, clothing, transportation, you know, major things. And then you have entertainment and other things like that. And so it's always funny because 
students would work on the first page and all their money would be spent. Mm-hmm. And then they get in the back and they're like, oh, oh, oh no, but I need human, you know, I want to do this and I want to do that. And the options are like for for a house is is are you going to live at home? Are you going to have a roommate or are you going to live by yourself? And everyone picks, I'm going to live by myself. And then it's transportation. Are you going to have a new car, used car? Are you going to carpool? Are you going to take the bus? And so, you know, everyone has that car and no one thinks about insurance. So they go through and and at the end, as we we go through each of them individually, I'd say, well, how many, so who will have bought a new car? And then you have maybe these three students put their hand up. Oh, did you get insurance? Mm-hmm. And I'd say, well, you know, it's illegal to drive a car without insurance. And it is. <laughs> oh, my mama going to pay for my insurance. Or we'll get the food and, and you say, well, okay, so, you know, what kind of food you're eating? And, and they'll go, oh, well, I'm just going to eat ramen noodles. Or well, I'll eat rice all the time. And, you know, but because they're trying to, to rent the house by themselves. Yeah. Or they're trying to get the car and then we go through the process and eventually they'll move the money around and it's good for them to go through that process because then they see some realities and oh okay yeah I have to make some decisions yeah and, and honestly there there are people out there who are living that way i was just uh, i want this house and i mm-hmm. uh, of of how did you say it earlier living lifestyle i want this life i want the, the lifestyle house right. i want the lifestyle car I, i'll just eat ramen all the time right. you go open the refrigerator they got some soda crackers <laughs> and a, a bottle of, uh, of tang and like that's it that's yeah. it but i got from the outside it looks awesome right and yeah you just giving up so much great information man i could talk to you all night but <laughs> i'm pretty sure you got other things to do so tell the people where they can find your books and your workbooks and everything. And all right. So both the parent book help uh, what I tell parents about preparing their kids for college and the I am college bound can be found on Amazon. The help book is both in paperback or on Kindle. Mm-hmm. And the planner is just in paperback um, on Amazon. If they want one individually, uh, if they want to, um, want one that they don't get from Amazon, they just want maybe a digital copy, mm-hmm. they can always email me. And my email is Thomas, the number 72 at gmail.com. Awesome. I have a book page. I am, it's called Parents of College Bound Students on Facebook. And there are two, I think there's two different groups, but mine actually has a picture of the book. And then I also have the um, Your Budget Coach is the other Facebook uh, group that I have, the Facebook page mm-hmm. that I have on Instagram. I am Margot Thomas 20. Awesome. And I'll, so we have, and I'll make sure to, um, if I can, if I can, you know, add some of those links into the description of the show for the listeners, you can mm-hmm. click on that link and it'll take you to the, some of the places that she's talking about. And um, we have this thing over here at Thoughts by the VLDI that we like to do. I like to ask every guest. Okay. This question in one variant of another. So since you're you're talking about kids heading to college, these young adults um starting their set starting their the the 
second quarter of their life out. <laughs> what advice, just general advice, if you just had to pick one thing to give advice on, what would that be for them? Do your research early about going to college. Uh, one of the things that I say on a regular basis is live like a broke college student while you're in college so that you're not living like a broke college student as an adult. Mm -hmm. So if you make better financial decisions before going into college, when you graduate from college, you would have already known how to budget, how to manage your money, and you are doing the work while in college, while you don't have a whole lot of money. And then once you get out of college and graduate, you still learn that they'll have those principles of figuring out how to manage your money properly. And then you don't get caught some caught up so much in the lifestyle of things or keeping up with the Joneses, like everyone says. Um, you worry about living, you know, enjoy life. I don't I I never say don't take the trip, you know, don't, don't buy the car, but save up for them. So make those good financial decisions while you're young. So that as you go through life, you have a you can live the lifestyle that you want to live because you've made good financial decisions going through college and coming out of college. Awesome. I still live like a broke college student now. I'm like, <laughs> I'm screwed. I'm like Scrooge McDuck, my daughter and, and everybody around me tells me I'm so cheap. I was like, yeah, but <laughs> when it, whenever something somebody needs something, who they call? Exactly. Well, yeah. um, Thank you for taking time once again to talk to me. Really do appreciate it, man. Really had this was a great conversation, a lot of good information. I enjoyed myself. Y'all make sure y'all get out here and get those books, Mac, because what this like this this lady is definitely bringing it. J did you hear the show? Were you listening to the show? So it's a lot of inform a lot of information in this episode. Great information, great advice. And I appreciate you, uh, Ms. Thomas, for taking time to uh, to talk to us today. And anytime you want to join the show again, just hit me up. You know where I'm at. You're welcome back. Anything you want to say in closing? Just want to say thank you very much for the opportunity. I, I always enjoy these. Uh, I am getting more comfortable <laughs> in front of Zoom. So I, I definitely enjoy these. But I'm also a part of an office group. Okay. So I will share your information with them and awesome. see if there are others who would be interested in sharing, you know, their information with your group as well. Awesome. As always, listeners, I love and appreciate each and every last one of y'all to tune in because without you guys, I just basically be talking to myself. So <laughs> y'all keep tuning in and I love y'all and, and we out of here. <laughs>